Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. If you're new, I want to bring you up to speed. This is week three out of four, where we ask the question, what is it that Jesus wants from God? We have lots of maybe theoretical questions about you asking something for God, from God, me asking something from God, but Jesus, who never sinned, second person of the Trinity, takes on flesh, lives a morally perfect life, and here in John chapter 17, we're hearing his most desperate prayer, the last thing he's going to say before he is betrayed and goes to his cross. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could be a fly on the wall and find out what is a morally sinless person ask God for? Would that be a unique prayer? I say that to remind you guys, if if you were here the last two weeks, all of John is an unbelievable treasure, but I I want us to see the beauty of 17. We're getting to see the prayer of a sinless man. What do you pray when you're not selfish in the least? What do you pray when you love people perfectly, even your enemies? What do you pray? When you love the church perfectly, what do you pray? Because your elders here, we're, we're charged from the scriptures to be leading you guys in prayer, modeling prayer, teaching you how to pray, praying for you and with you, and yet we're still sinners. John 17, though? Jesus, the God-man? Wow, what does he want from God? Here's where we've been so far over the last two weeks, if you weren't with us, or to, to jog your memory. Throughout this prayer, Jesus has asked to die for God's glory. So he'll pay any price for God to be recognized for his beauty and his power the way he ought to be recognized. He asked God, hey, I want to go back to heaven, but I want to be victorious and I want to be complete in all you've asked me to do before I go. Even though that meant his cross. He asked God, hey, I want Christians to go to heaven not for the endless flow of Pepsi and Dallas Cowboys touchdowns. I want Christians to go to heaven, and then he drops a bomb on us, so they can see all of my glory. Guys, I didn't park on this long enough two weeks ago. This man walked on water and told a storm to knock it off. He took a boy's Lunchable and fed a stadium full of people. And he said, Father, they haven't seen all my glory yet. If that doesn't get you excited about heaven, I can't help you. There's more. There is more that we have not yet seen. Jesus asked God, Father, make those that you have given to me, the church, give them so much unity that the world is blown away and goes, whoa. I guess Jesus was really sent by God. I just saw a Republican give a Democrat a hug. Those guys are weird. (laughs) Nothing makes them a family. There's no, I'm looking for a common denominator, and they keep talking about, Jesus saved me from my sins. That's the only common denominator amongst those people. Wow. And Jesus asked the Father, Father, make it happen. Make your church so unified that the world cannot deny that you sent me. 
That's where we've been so far. Today, he asks the Father for a sent people. He already has a people, the church. He wants them sent. And you're going to see it here in the text as we read together. John 17. Again, four weeks in a row we're going to preach, read through the sermon, the uh, prayer in its entirety, looking at, at it through a different lens each week. As we read through it, listen, prick your ears up, have your antennas up for sending. It's mentioned a few times. It's really explicit in verse 18 where we're going to park. I'm going to read the entire prayer. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed to you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. This isn't in the notes, but did you just hear Jesus say the other 11 would have been eaten alive by the devil if Jesus hadn't stopped it? That's what he said. Hmm. 13. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to this world, to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they will see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. 
And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Lord Jesus, teach us your word today, please. Give us hearts that are soft and can receive truth and respond with repentance and adoration and joy-filled obedience. God, we could try to obey you on our own, but it's folly. It's absolute folly. So change our minds today, change our hearts today, change our actions today, that we would honor you, that we would be a blessing to each other and a blessing to the world. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. God's people said, amen. Amen. It's like the Nintendo in 1989. If it doesn't work, you just pull out the cartridge. (sighs) Millennials are with me. Okay. We're going to do discussion groups. Turn around, introduce yourself to the people behind you, whether you know them or not. Introverts, just talk with your spouse or your boo. Um, Form little discussion groups. Anybody under the age of 25 in your group, tell them who the two women are on the screen. And then, you laugh, but they don't know. Okay. Here's your discussion question. Here's your discussion question. Who are, whose, life, whose life is more personally challenging to you? Not challenging in a bad way, but in a good way. Like, wow, I should step up. I, I, should, I should serve. These women were both known for serving. They're both very popular in the self-sacrifice department. Which one is more challenging to you and why? You have 90 seconds. Go ahead and talk with your peeps. All right. Let's have a quick discussion about two radically different approaches to service. And I'm going to be really overly simplified here for the sake of time, okay? While both of these women were known for service, 
one of them literally ascended to a throne and used the platform to serve. Are you with me so far? Okay. One of them was born in an obscenely wealthy family and walked away from it all to scrape the pus out of wounds of orphan children in Calcutta. Both of these women inspired. Both of these women channeled large amounts of money and energy in the direction of things that the world would generally describe as good. I'm going to let you know my vote. As Christians, we're looking for the redemptive narrative. When we look at culture, we're saying, we see how God's redeeming the world. We've got a book. Where can I see that redemption? Where is it beautiful and exciting when I look into culture? I would submit to you, Diana, if you're looking for a type of Christ, you can't relate to her because you can't be her. Anybody here dating royalty and you think it's going to go all the way? (laughs) Well played, sir. Well played. Um, (laughs) Generally speaking... Diana is on this other planet from you, right? She's not, you're not dating somebody who's going to ascend to the throne, right? Um, so it's, there's a temptation there. If you're looking for a model of uh, generosity and goodwill, you go, wow, she's really awesome, and I can admire her from afar, but I, I can't be her, Right? I'll, she tells me about some good thing and I'll, I'll send a check for a hundred bucks to whatever she said to send money to. But like, I can't be her. Mother Teresa, I want to submit to you, her life is downright scary because it does not matter whether you're worth 50 bucks or 50 million, you could walk away from it all. I could. Self-sacrifice is an equalizer. It doesn't matter what your current bank account looks like. You could walk away from it all. If you're looking for a type of Christ in these two women, one is more relatable and one is less relatable. And it's not because there wasn't something you could generically call Christ-like self-sacrifice. The problem is that Diana looks more like the second coming of Christ. Right? You want Jesus to be your friend when he ascends into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, right? He ascends and he uses power and authority to serve, to seek and to save the lost. I can't relate to that. Mother Teresa's self-sacrifice looks more like Jesus the first time he came. She looks a lot more like Christmas. Let me put on flesh amongst the broken, amongst the hurting, and let me serve. My premise, the start of this sermon, note takers, grab your pens. Jesus was the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. That's my premise. This is the starting point. And we need to look at Jesus' life before we get to verse 18 of this chapter and go, wait, Father, as you send me, I send them. Jesus was not just the God-man. He was. He was not just the perfect sacrifice for sin, the only one who could die on a cross for the sins of others, and he was. And he wasn't just the the deity who was raised to life on Easter morning, conquering death forever. 
He was all of those things. He was also one who came to a rebellious world with a verbal proclaimed message. And there were different ways that he could have done that. As one who was from eternity past and in the flesh always sinless, I want to submit to you, there are no missionary methods better than Jesus' life. You are not smarter than him. I am not wiser than him. Like, no. No. So, okay, well, if Jesus is the greatest missionary, what does that look like exactly? I'm glad you asked. Jesus left what was comfortable. He left, he gave up his rights. He humbled himself. He chose hardship. He traveled. Anybody here ever gotten in a van to go on a mission trip? Anybody? Talk to me. Anybody here gotten on an airplane to go on a mission trip? Go tell people about Jesus. Anybody ever moved from heaven to earth? Anybody? No? Okay. That's a category for one. Sir, will this be a transcontinental flight? You know, heaven to earth. Did they serve him peanuts on the way? Like, what, is, what does he get for this? He gets to be born as an ethnic minority to a blue-collar guy, to a teenage woman in an armpit of an empire where the leader of the empire calls himself the king of kings. That is blasphemous. And God subjected himself to that. The perfect missionary learned a language He spoke Aramaic in his common tongue. What would have happened if Jesus had come and decided he was just going to speak the language of heaven? Hmm? Would would we have understood? We don't actually have to. That's not a theoretical game. It already happened. God descended onto the mountain of the Lord to go talk with Moses, and his voice boomed, and the people said, Tell God to stop talking or we'll die. He is holy and we are not. If our goat even wanders onto the mountain, it'll die. The greatest missionary the cosmos has ever seen said, to reach them, I'm going to have to become like them. I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to learn a culture. I'm going to learn a language. I'm going to choose to be a nobody. Second, Christ's authority is the foundation of missions. Christ's authority is the foundation of missions. Back into our chapter, look at verse 2. Speaking of himself, for you have given him authority over most people. No? Did I read verse 2 wrong? Okay, for you have given him authority over 
everyone. Wow. Or verse, look down at verse 18. This is real, really the coup de grace right here. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, okay? We know that Jesus isn't talking about your essence because you and I were not God eternal taking on flesh. So that cannot be what Jesus means when he says, I'm sending the church just as you sent me. He's talking about authority. Father, you had all the authority to send me to earth and I have all the authority to send them to this lost and dying world. I'm gonna give them my Holy Spirit. They don't have to have all the answers. The Holy Spirit's gonna speak for them and they are gonna embody the love of God everywhere they go. It's the authority of God that's the foundation of missions. Greg, you're making that up. Okay, well, let's, let's, get, on, let's get on to the, the verse that if you've got a background in church, you definitely know this one. This is how the Gospel of Matthew ends. Jesus came and told his disciples, I, one most likely to succeed in high school, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Did I read that right? Ah, oh, man. Hooked on phonics worked for somebody else. Jesus came and told his disciples, I'm the smartest one with the best ideas. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Was that better? So it's not about intellect, it's not about best ideas, it's not about popularity. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have the most followers on Instagram, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. You guys keep laughing at me, I'm trying so hard to be a good reader, but you just keep making fun of me and I'm gonna have to go home and cry. See, we don't like the A word. It was said directly in verse 2 of Jesus' prayer. It was the foundation of verse 18. And it is the starting point of the Great Commission. My Sunday school teacher in high school rope-a-doped me hardcore. I'll never let it go. He asked about 16, 15 of us high schoolers. He goes, trick question. He says, quick question. What's the first word of the Great Commission. And we're all good Southern Baptist kids. Like, we think the Great Commission is like the whole point. And we're like, yeah, go to China, die for Jesus, yay. So we all go, go! And he goes, because he had a rule, you're not allowed to answer questions unless your face is down in your Bible because you are going to get it wrong. The Bible won't. Was that a good catechism or what? He said, you answered a question without your face down. In the, and we, we look at it and we go, oops. Go is on the third line, and it's got a therefore. That means the rationale for going is in the first two lines, right? Here's why a Christian is a part of a sent people. Because I, Christ, through my death, burial, and resurrection, the Father gave me all authority over everything. Because I'm in charge, go. Go. So, the 1970s produced many beautiful things. <laughs> Chief among them, of course, unless you were born in the 70s, my apologies, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Now, the clip that you are about to see 
although it is obviously comedy and you're meant to chuckle at it, I want to play this clip because it beautifully illustrates, unfortunately, the modern democratic view of sovereignty. In, in, In countries here in the 20th and 21st century where we get to vote and we get to have a say, you and I buck against Christ's authority all the time, mostly because he's a king. So let's go ahead and watch this together.
How do you and I respond to authority when we didn't vote for that authority? Actually, we know. We have hashtags called not my president. And both parties have done it, by the way. I'm just going to pretend like I'm a part of an entirely separate group because I didn't vote for that person. And Jesus comes along. And he came into Jerusalem not with a campaign manager, but riding on a donkey. A symbol that kings chose to say, we need a time of peace around here, not a time of war. He would have ridden on a white horse, but he chose that for later. You and I needed peace with God. We needed it desperately. And he came and he died on a cross to reconcile us, giving us peace with the Father. And after he's raised from death, he goes, hey, we're just getting started around here. I am not purchasing you back from the condemnation that sin put on to you just for kicks. I am saving you to send you. I am saving you to send you. Why? Because there are billions of people still on earth that do not yet know and love me. They don't know their creator. And I, as a creating God, we sang it earlier, John 3.16, the Father loved the world so much that he sent Jesus. And then here in chapter 17, John artistly points out, oh yeah, and the Son sent the church. So that means love is a foundation as well. If God loved the world so much to send the Son, and the Son loved the world so much as to send the church, the next question is, will the church love the world? That's the logical progression of thought. Will we? Hopefully. We, we get to decide, actually. We kind of get to decide. When our Father commands us through the scriptures, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Do we respond with, here am I, Lord, send me, or help, help, I'm being repressed. <laughs> Jesus is bossing me around, to which your atheist friend sitting next to you helps. And your atheist friend turns to you and goes, you signed up for this, you decided to become a Christian. From the outside, this should be easy to understand. It's those of us who decide to become Christians and think we can give Jesus part of ourselves. That's the problem. I cried some tears and I prayed a prayer and Jesus can have 70% of me. That's what we agreed to. We had a deal. I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, you saw so much, no such deal in this book. You've heard no such deal from this pulpit. And in fact, I want to submit to you that you haven't thought that through. You don't want 70% of your person going to heaven. You don't want 70% of the joy that submission to Christ has for you. Christ's authority is the foundation of missions. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth because of that authority to his church, he says, 
Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name, meaning the authority of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Obedience, commands, this is really heavy-handed, isn't this? Unless these commands give you life. Isn't it funny? Isn't it beautiful? You guys want to see the gospel right here? Make disciples is up in line three and four. You make Jesus followers, and we know from the rest of the context that you do that by proclaiming the good news of who Jesus is, by sharing the gospel. They're baptized, and a a regenerated, spiritually second-born, alive disciple, it's the disciple that you teach to obey. Every other world system tries to teach you to obey, and if you do enough good stuff, maybe God will love you. Do enough good stuff, maybe God will accept you. Maybe you'll get into heaven. Maybe you'll be able to reincarnate as something better than what you are. Jesus is better. I wouldn't be the pastor of a Christian church. In fact, I wouldn't be a Christian unless I believed that. Jesus is better. He's better. He's better. We make no apologies. We're not trying to be offensive. We just need you to know he's better. He loves you first. He loves you while your defiant fist is in his face. He loves you. Christian, you've got three choices when it comes to mission in the world. Go, send, or disobey. These are your options. These are my options. Go, send, or disobey. Now, this isn't going to be up on the screen because it's too long. I wanted to rattle off some options for us. Let's get practical. If we are a sent people, if love for the world is to be a motivation as well as Christ's authority in our life, saving us from our sin and then sending us out, let's ask ourselves, what does it look like? I'm going to unpack the idea of going just for a minute. What are all the ways that we could go? Not all the ways, many ways we could go. keeping in mind that the model for this is Christ himself, right? Left where he was powerful and comfortable and invulnerable. He left all of that to where he has to learn a language, learn a culture. Okay. Take a week off of work so that you could assist our sister church in Mexicali this spring. Nobody from this stage is going to try to make it seem like a small thing to miss a week's worth of income. Nobody's going to try to make that small. It's a big deal. We want to challenge you anyway. Bake cookies. Go give them to your neighbors. You know Jesus. You love Jesus. The Holy Spirit's inside you, but you don't know your neighbor. Cookies. Who turns down cookies? I mean, come on. Here's how you could go. Help I'm not saying this has happened, just theoretically. Help a four-year-old girl throw a ping-pong ball into a fishbowl on Halloween so she and her parents feel loved by the people of our church and maybe feel loved by God. That's going. Devote yourself to learning some basic Spanish before going to Mexicali in April. I'm going to keep beating this dead horse. Did Jesus learn a language to come to Judea? 
Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, he was born and he learned a language. We can do it too. We're not going to do any of the obnoxious American. Okay, we're not doing it. ARCF Foundation, we're not doing the obnoxious American. We're not going to Mexicali. Um, how, how, much, how much for the enchiladas? How much for the enchiladas? We're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Again, if God had shouted in the language of heaven, it wouldn't have gone well. That did not help anybody. Okay. Here's how you can go. Think deeply about the culture to which you want to learn to communicate the gospel. Anybody here kind of a head first, heart second? Who's going to willing to admit it? My hand's up. If you're more head first, heart second, you should love cultural analysis. And if you want to come with us on this trip, asking people who know. Maybe you're from Mexico and we're going to come and pester you with a million questions. What do people think about masculinity in Mexico? What do they think about femininity? What do they think about authority? What do they think about family values? What are, what are family values there? Like student of the culture. Learn the culture just like Jesus did. Here's a way you could go. Learn the names of the other parents, grandparents in your kids' grandkids' basketball league. Learn their names. Be a friend. Because you are a sent people. ARCF Foundation, you are a sent people. Here's how you could go. Join Kairos when they get back up and running after the COVID lockdown to share the gospel with people who are currently incarcerated. That's going, right? Learn about new foods that you'll be exposed to in Mexicali. I think I just got 10 signups right there. Food, yes, hallelujah. Here's how you could go or be a sent person. Shop in the exact same place over and over again in order to learn people's names. Build relationships, pray for people. Invest your finances in providing for your travel expenses to Mexicali. He keeps talking about Mexicali. I think he wants me to go. Keep a list of family and friends in your Bible who don't love Jesus yet. Pray for their salvation every single morning until it happens. Because you are a sent people and we partner with God. When he seeks and saves the lost Christians, we get to be a part of it. Find the 10 most popular songs on Mexican radio. Listen to them. And then read English translations of the words to gain insight into cultural beliefs. Hmm? Heaven help us. If you listen to pop radio here, do you learn some things that the culture values? Dear God. <laughs> Attend the Christ and Culture Conference that's on November 19 and 20. It's just down the road. Some of what you learn is going to help you answer people's questions about God and the Bible. That's in your bulletin and there are flyers at the back, I'm pretty sure. Go and attend that conference so you can be a well-informed disciple helping others with their questions. What does sending look like? Send. Pray consistently, specifically, and fervently for the effectiveness of others who are going to go on a mission trip, like Mexicali in April. See, just when you thought you were going to get off the hook, some of you right then and there go, 
oh, prayer intimidates me. I guess I better go. (laughs) The prayer team will intimidate more than other things. We need to pray because if God does not do the work, they that labor, labor in vain. Pray for the spiritual health of those who are going. Pray for the boldness of those who are going. Serve. Are you ready? This is really uber practical. Where are my hands people at? You're just like, stop all these meetings. Tell me what to do. Who, Who are the doers? We have some doers? Okay, this is for you. Serve for a week in a ministry that you're not used to so that that person could be in Mexicali for the week. There are some people who are going to want to go, and they are highly committed to like four different things, and we're going to need to move the pieces around for one week. We can do it. Be ready to help financially to make sure that the service projects we do while we're there are a reality, maybe sponsor a couple tanks of gas. Teach basic Spanish to those of us who are going to go. Anybody know Spanish? We need you. We need you. Teach those who are going how to think like a missionary. If you've been trained as a missionary, we need you to train us. Become a teacher's aide in kids' adventure and take every opportunity to show the kids that the gospel is to be shared, not kept secret. Because you're already a sent people. Some of you need to be sent 25 feet. And then here's the hard one. For those of you raising children or hope to one day, tell your kids often that you're raising them to serve their heavenly father with their whole lives no matter the cost. One more thing to say, and then we're going to pray and watch some announcements. The Texans are here on the screen because I couldn't find a better picture. That's the only reason that they are on the screen right now. I would have had a picture of Jerry World where the roof retracts. The roof retracts so that God can watch his team. You guys know that, right? Anyway, um, so I heard somebody years ago describe football this way. He said, football is 22 men in desperate need of rest being cheered on by 80,000 in desperate need of exercise. (laughs) If you love Jesus Christ, I need you to understand something. You've been so conditioned by consuming You've grown so accustomed to watching on a screen. You've got your $9 Dr. Pepper and your $7 popcorn. And you're going to watch somebody play the game. And we as the church need to do a better job of letting you know that when Jesus Christ called you like Lazarus out of the tomb and you became alive, he put you on the field and gave you a jersey and a helmet and you are not a spectator anymore. You are not a spectator. In fact, Jesus is the play caller and he tells us how to learn the plays and he tells us what's gonna be next. Here's how we're gonna love and save a lost and dying world. Here's how we're gonna bless people. Here's how we're gonna glorify the Father. And, And just because you obeyed the last play doesn't mean another play is not coming. God is not done with you if you're still breathing. God is not done with you if you're still breathing. Let me pray for us. 
Lord Jesus, all of the forces of hell draw us toward comfort. And we need your help right now to embrace in our minds, our hearts, and our behavior that we are a sent people. God, we ask you for your forgiveness, God, for all the sins of the past where the lost around us have not been served and we've stayed on our lazy boy. We need your grace, God, to not allow ourselves to be condemned by the past, but to move forward in a future that is bright, that is filled with joy, a future that's exhausting, where we hit the pillow hard at the end of the night. Holy Spirit, move in the hearts of everybody here who loves you so that every one of us will play a role as one who goes or as one who sins. Holy Spirit, I ask for your blessing and your leadership of our missions team who's about to meet today. Would you speak to them? Would you encourage them? Would you bring people onto that team who need to be on that team? Lead them, God, and do so with joy. Fill them with joy during that meeting. God, send us as missionaries today. Some of us are gonna shine the light of your gospel at a restaurant an hour from now. Some of us are gonna shine the light of the gospel in the grocery store on Tuesday morning. Some of us are gonna shine the light of the gospel in the workplace on Wednesday afternoon. God, we need you to embody this calling. Lead us, transform us. In the great name of Jesus, we pray, God's people said. Well, good morning, ARCF family. Here we are in the middle of November and Thanksgiving is rapidly approaching. And speaking of Thanksgiving, I know, I know, master of segues. But speaking of Thanksgiving, if you need a place to gather this year, then you are more than welcome to join Melissa and I as we host the very first Family Thanksgiving. It's gonna be held right over there in the Connection Center from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. And it's gonna be a great place of food, football, and fun. Couples, kids, single folks, and seniors are all welcome to join us. So this is your reminder to RSVP ASAP by heading over to the back table in the sanctuary to sign up. Or you can head over to myarcf.com forward slash Thanksgiving. And of course, if you have any questions, please make sure you ask myself or Melissa. Now, the second thing I want to remind you about is the upcoming Holiday Boutique and Craft Fair. Do you know that this is the 10th year that our women's ministry has been running this event? Think about this. Back in 2011, we only had 19 vendors and they were only set up in one room. But as of this year, there are 37 confirmed vendors with over 40 vendors on the waiting list and we're spread out in five different areas across the campus. Wow, what a blessing this event has been. Now, in case you're wondering why we do this each year, this is an excellent opportunity to get to know your community, support local businesses, and do some shopping. And this year, the raffle ticket sales, along with the profits from the space rental fees from our vendors, are going to be donated to a family that's been affected by the California fires. So please make sure you mark your calendars for Saturday, December 4th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And I just got word recently that the Men's Ministry World Famous Soup Cafe will be open as well. 
To see a full list of vendors and raffle items, please make sure you head over to myarcf.com forward slash holiday boutique for more information. And we hope to see you there. Now, before I go, I wanna make sure that you know everything that is being planned for the Christmas season coming up right here at ARCF. In your bulletins, you're gonna find was better than if you or I had tried to make it. Let's just say that. Love you guys. Have a great week. The verdict was guilty. Case closed. The end. No chance for me to ever leave this prison of my sin. Now I know it might sound crazy, but one day a key unlocked that cell. I heard a small voice say your debt's been paid by somebody.